Welcome to Cloudlandia. Mr. Sullivan. Mr. Jackson, do I have a, an official invitation into this discussion group? Welcome to Cloudlandia. Yes, you do. <laughs> you do. <laughs> all access yeah. pass. Yes, all access. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting things. Lots of interesting things. There's so much. What's yeah. uh, what's on your what's on your mind? What's been happening the last week? Weeks seems like uh, went by fast. Well, I was able to see you. Mm -hmm. Twice, twice, and uh, yeah, and uh, it was very interesting. I got to about ten minutes to four on the second day, so this was the free zone, and I suddenly realized I hadn't used any thinking processes during the entire day. I, I got through six hours of workshop just based on questions in the chat. Questions mm -hmm. in the chat, yeah, and. Uh, I said, I'm not sure that this is the goal for the future, but it uh, it was totally, you know, totally fully participated in right from the opening bell to the uh -huh. final whistle. Yeah, so uh -huh. it's kind of, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, yeah. Yeah, this has And they been were kind of related, the longevity and the intellectual property discussion kind of knitted themselves together. I didn't make any attempt to knit them together, but there was uh, there were kind of some little connections that were being made in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah. Well, intellectual property, you know, as we're in the migration, the intellectual property is really what's the, the crown jewel in Cloudlandia. Is really, mm -hmm. it drives on intellectual property is greater than physical property kind of thing mm -hmm. for I've been I've been thinking about like you know kind of codifying the uh the the differences the distinctions between Cloudlandia and the mainland right and that mm -hmm. there's a there was a you know a property advantage I guess on the mainland property advantage was having physical property mm -hmm. that that was a mm -hmm. thing you you could expand your wealth and your uh, reach through mm -hmm. acquiring physical property, but now exponentially with um, intellectual property, you've got room to spread so much uh, quicker mm -hmm. in, in cloud if you're good at If you're good yeah, at Yeah, you know, I, I mentioned this, uh, you know, the ongoing kind of observation here of uh, Mr. Beastburger is the latest from the the VCR chronicles, um, as we talk about vision, capabilities, and reach, that there's actually, I've, I've learned some more interesting just perspectives about it, that, you know, he opened up 300 locations, virtual locations, in one day uh, by partnering with independent restaurants with excess capacity to... Mm -hmm. And he brought his his intellectual property of the recipes, his his menu, you could call mm -hmm. an intellectual property, right? The mm -hmm. name of the burger, the uh the recipe for it, menu. the actual the, recipe, the, recipe. the specs 
for it, the specs of mm-hmm. this is the bun, this is the uh, quality or blend of meat, this is the cheese, this is the all those SOPs basically, right, for making mm-hmm. a Mr. Beast burger or making a Mr. Beast, uh, you know, chicken tender sandwich, all that stuff that anybody mm-hmm. in possession of those SOPs can follow that intellectual property using their physical mainland capabilities and mm-hmm. then reach out through the um, through Grubhub and Seamless. So to put it in perspective, he opened 301 day and mm-hmm. in and out in and out Burger, which is a very famous, successful burger chain, has 314 locations, and they've been in business for decades. Mm-hmm. And so you think this whole, like, this instant, it's almost like the difference between, uh, you know, combustion engines and electric that you've got. That's why the electric cars are so fast because you push the accelerator pedal, you instantly have access to all of the power compared to it having to ramp up or ratchet up, you know, uh, mm-hmm. there's something, there's something to that. I also found out that the, there's a actual company behind the, um, infrastructure for it called virtual dining concepts. And this mm-hmm. guy, Earl, who started the company has, you know, family 70 years in business. They own, restaurant concepts like uh Buca de Beppo and um a lot of these uh mm-hmm. a lot of these popular mm-hmm. restaurants and mm-hmm. he's actually built a business out of creating these opportunities for influencers so he's done mm-hmm. things with with uh with other other influencers who have like Tyga who's a rapper He's got a chicken restaurant that is uh, Tiger Bites that he's got is chicken tenders that mm-hmm. is using the same concept um, and other celebrities that they've done the same thing with. And it's funny because now I see this as a new model of business opportunity if you're a mainland sort of um infrastructure builder because it's mm-hmm. very similar to that's the the food equivalent of what seed labs has done as the um cosmetics equivalent for mm-hmm. kylie jenner and other influencers who now have cosmetic lines mm-hmm. on that mm-hmm. chassis mm-hmm. of their capability to make the physical goods yeah i mean uh i mean i, I think that the um uh, uh that you know beast burger is meaningless unless it has a uh you know beast burger as a cloudlandia innovation is meaningless unless there is actually a um uh, a, a mainland, yeah. A main, no, a mainland location. Uh-huh. In, that, in other yeah. words, that it'd be interesting to see what the, 
you know, the perfect fit vision is that uh, Beesberger, the, you know, the uh, strategic team, as I understand it, uh, he's represented, first of all, uh, as a Utah. I, I looked up a little bit about him, but he's uh-huh. uh, he's represented by a company that uh, provides backstage um, support. Uh, yeah, that to, was, uh, uh, yeah, well, we mentioned uh, Night Media. Is the company yeah, Knight, that is his Knight. management company, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, as far as fast foods go, uh, hamburger places are the number one component of fast food in the United States. Uh, uh-huh. You know that uh, um, restaurants that uh, promote themselves as a hamburger place are the um, are the they're they're the eight hundred pound gorilla gorilla in fast yeah. food. I mean, you you have chicken places, not as not as much as bur- burgers. You know, you have all sorts of right. other fast food approaches, but burgers is the American mainstay. You know, the ha- hamburger. Yeah. yeah. So so my sense is backstage uh, before the day that the click happened. You know the. Uh, you know uh, <clears throat> his version of the Big Bang, <laughs> uh-huh. right? <laughs> when, that's right. When, the Big Bang. When when a finger touched uh, a keyboard, that's when it happened. Okay. Uh, there must have been yeah. there must have been really extensive screening of in a city with twenty hamburger places. Why this place would get the Beesburgers and maybe well, the others? A went. little more. I found out a little more about that. That's where this uh, that's where this Earl um, Enterprises mm-hmm. comes in. The virtual dining concepts is yeah. a company that does just that. And part yeah. of what they had access to, like a lot of the restaurants um, that are serving his uh, things, are like Buca de Beppo and Bravo and some of these chains that have. Um, that have excess capacity. So he's mm-hmm. their their uh, team is mm-hmm. an infrastructure builder, I guess, but primarily with mm-hmm. their own um, their own concepts, but also yeah. then going out and finding where they don't have reach. Um, well, it's a perfect example. Of free, it's a perfect example of. Uh, Free zone frontier, kind of a three three. Uh, well, it's actually a three track uh, free zone frontier in the sense mm-hmm. of you have uh, Mr. Beast. He's yeah. one force. He's one collaborator. Night Media yeah. is another collaborator, and Earl yeah. is a third collaborator. You're putting three yeah. uh, three capabilities together into a single collaboration, where yeah. not one of them has to take care of what the other two are doing. It's interesting. You know, um, Tony Robbins is a concept of, and I don't know whether, where he got this, but this is where I heard it from is the four different, um, you know, and uh, the, an artist, a manager, a leader, and an entrepreneur are the four business personalities that you uh, need kind of thing. And, that's and everybody kind of presents as one of those primarily mm-hmm. and they need the others to support 
where people get in trouble. Most small businesses are artists. A lot of them are artist driven mm-hmm. that, and a lot of coaches and physicians and, and, uh, you know, practitioners, people who do the thing, they want to continue to be an artist, the speaker, the, the writer, mm-hmm. the, uh, all of that stuff. Um, so they make decisions and set goals and stuff based on, on that. And it was, um, Tony talked about, I thought about it now as a free zone. Um, this is back when he was getting started. He, um, was doing events, doing, you know, seminars, which is what he loved as an artist and, but promoting them and filling them and doing all of the business side of it was less interesting to him. And he went to a company that was doing big seminars, uh, but they only had, um, you know, two main programs that they were promoting kind of thing. And he mm-hmm. came to them with the idea of, Hey, why don't we, uh, you know, I've got a, a program that you could promote, give you something mm-hmm. else to promote kind of thing with your infrastructure. And I, I do a great, uh, a great event, but I need to, uh, you know, it would give them some excess, uh, you know, some extra things to do. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that worked out well, but about, you know, two years into it, they came to him and said, you know, they, they looked at it, that there's only so many dollars available for, uh, personal development. More people were choosing, um, his events than theirs. <laughs> so they had to kind of let him, let him go kind of thing. That was their thinking, which was kind of, you know, yeah. funny, but self. Well, they didn't get the, right? they didn't get, they, they kind of didn't get the lesson. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They did. You know, I mean, uh, <laughs> it, I always say that, uh, a lot of people are like a, a, a retreat retriever dog that when the the hunter points uh yeah. the retriever dog licks their finger instead of going and getting the the, <laughs> the, 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 the the duck you know it's an affectionate retriever but it's not doing what it's supposed to do you know they right, the right. retriever didn't get the lesson that when my hunter points that's you know that's uh, uh, my value as a retriever it really depends on me knowing what the pointing finger actually needs uh, yeah. to a certain extent. To- Tony was pointing, and he yeah, was the pointing finger. But they uh, uh, they said, uh, you know, there's only so many pointing fingers to go around. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, it's interesting when I went to Western Canada, and I understand. Uh, you know, I think I heard a story once that uh, you know that Tony. Did a lot, did a lot of his very, very early stuff uh, north of the border, uh, and uh, in uh, Canada. But when I went to Western Canada, there was a conference organizer in um, in uh, Calgary, uh, um, and he uh, had a he had a speaker. You know, he uh, he was good friends with Brian Tracy because Brian Tracy is from. I think from Alberta, he, he was born mm-hmm. in Alberta, Brian Tracy. And mm-hmm. so he had regular uh, speakers. 
And, uh, you know, when he found out about us, phoned us and everything, he says, well, look, he says, I got a big uh, contact list. And and he said, so can we work out a deal? And we did. And mm-hmm. and we did. And, uh, but we put it on a time basis that it would be for two years, you know, uh-huh. like it would be the first two years, which was fine with us. And it worked. And we got a good... Um, you know, we got a good critical mass in Alberta. And then uh, what we used in um, the other thing that I had in my 15 years of one-on-one coaching, I had very, very high visibility in the life insurance industry. So I could call, um, go anywhere and get in touch with the people who were in charge of um, um, the agent-centered, just not the company-centered, but the agent-centered, uh, you know, they would have meetings and they would bring in experts. And so um, I had a good reputation. I had good word of mouth. And so wherever, when, that's, when we went to London, that's what we did. We had, you know, 30 or 40 fairly influential life insurance agents in, uh, in the UK. And that they basically created our first year of contacts and meetings. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the story about how Sears started, you know, Sears was a railroad clerk. He was mm-hmm. a railroad. He handled packages coming through a local station and he got a box of watches yeah. uh, that, that was um, by mistake. It was by mistake. The watch company sent this uh, watches and he called, you know, he telegraphed the watch company and said, I got this box. And they said, well, it's not worth it to us. <laughs> and they may have been onto something. I don't know. If they they like, send a box of watches this, and see what happens. Yeah, this is, yeah. Uh, yeah it's, it's like you're, uh, uh, <laughs> you're putting um, uh, for sale signs on oh, or totally somebody else. doing right. it and then yeah. and then you say hey maybe there's something why why don't you <laughs> why don't you just leave it you know <laughs> anyway, exactly. and see if you see if nothing else uh, you'll find out how much your house is worth you know if you if you do this you don't have to sell but once you that's just right sign your lawn yeah well anyway long story short uh so um sears uh just took the watches and he, you know, went through retail stores in his neighborhood and he got to the end of the box and he says, you know, and he charged more than the watch company because uh, the watch that's available is always more um, valuable. Right. The watch you have to, then you have to watch, wait a month for it. You know, the one Uh you can get right now is always worth. And he realized that. Yes. And so he experimented by uh, actually saving up his money and buying another uh, um, box of watches. And then he would go to nearby towns and everything else. And he says, well, um, okay, I've learned my lesson. And um, what he started to do was to buy boxes of watches and send them by mistake to other railroad clerks. He would send it from this station to another station and they'd say, hey, hey, this box, you know, this was, there's no place here. And he said, um, hmm, well, here, here's the thing. It's not worth sending it back. Uh, <laughs> right. And that's how Sears and Roebuck was created. And then he let everybody else in the 
you know, in on the secret and, and yeah. on the plan. And he showed them how they would make vastly more money if they actually created a Sears, um, um, you know, retail operation than yeah, right. Rare mm-hmm. Rare Clerk, you know. So, uh, yeah. It's some, you know, I think that it's always entrepreneurism is always seeing an underutilized resource. Yes. And and seeing that there could there's already an existing market. It's just that this underutilized um, resource is not being connected to an available market. Yeah, I think that's it. It's the entrepreneur would be the visionary in our VCR formula there of seeing the mm-hmm. all the pieces come together how they how all mm-hmm. the pieces could work together you know you were i was thinking about sears roebuck and when i was growing up in the 70s the um i have a great recollection and i know these don't exist anymore but there was a there was a um i wish i could remember there were two sort of rival catalogs that would come and you would go to the store. The store. Were you in uh, the? Were you in the? Were you in the states or in Canada? No, no, in Canada. Yeah, in, in Canada. Canada. And you would go to the store and you would fill out your order form from the mm-hmm. catalog that what, what mm-hmm. you wanted, and then they would uh, you would put in your order, and then you would get a notification when the. Uh, when the product arrived or whatever. Yes. It seemed like they had very limited supply in the actual mm-hmm. store. And it wasn't, it wasn't a store you could go in and look at. You go up to the service counter mm-hmm. and put mm-hmm. in your order. I think it was like, I don't know whether it was shop right or shop. I don't know what the shop, something. Yeah. In the, in the, United, in the United States, it was Montgomery Ward. Um, yeah, in our town, Montgomery Ward had a order office. Yeah, okay, right in the middle of the town. Yeah, you, yeah. You would, you would receive a Montgomery Ward catalog, right? Like you would Sears catalog. Yeah, but uh, um, they didn't have stores. Sears had stores. Uh, uh-huh. Well, the truth is, there wasn't a Sears store in our town. It was ten miles away. Montgomery uh-huh. Ward had these offices um, in a lot of towns, and yeah. uh, so so um, that was, was what I got the sense that these were all in small towns that you could. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because mm-hmm. yeah. this was like yeah. uh, Georgetown in the in the seventies, yeah. and it's funny, yeah. you know, that's kind of like the um, like the internet. You know, now I mean, it would be you go online, you order it, except mm-hmm. it arrives. The next morning, yeah, everything, everything. Yeah. I mean, what, get, what gets eliminated over time uh, is time and effort. You know, I mean, yeah. the internet is the elimination of an enormous amount of time and effort. Amazon uh-huh. is elimination of enormous amounts of. So my sense is that um, humans have two things that are cost to them. Uh, the use of time for this rather than something else they'd like to be doing and um, effort that they have to put in um, that is not their favorite effort, you know. So, um, yeah, uh, have someone else, uh, uh, having someone else's time and effort for a negligible cost is a big deal. Yeah. 
I think you're right. I mean, that's and that's something that uh, I think that's why. Who not, who not uh, Dean? Uh, some really smart person had a conversation <laughs> with me a couple of years ago, and um, uh, you know, just dropped a line, and I said, uh, "This, these are the most important three words my entire future." That's what I said. That's great. It really is. I mean, and I, I'm so. Uh, happy to see that you know it's um i shared the book with someone um you know in the context of showing somebody that that's what uh that's what we were doing was being the who for someone you know and i think anybody in that anybody in the business of being a who it would make so much sense for them to give the book to someone so that they completely understand what that, uh, you know, then when they get it, then they understand the importance of the, the relationship, you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting. I have a next door neighbor. It's a couple and, uh, they're, they're great people. And, uh, you're always great when yeah, it's always a great thing when your neighbors are great people. And she's in the movie business. She's an entrepreneur in the movie business. And her husband is corporate, but he's um, he's in charge of perfumes. So he's a, he's a um, uh, in Paris uh, where he goes frequently, um, either <laughs> in person or by Zoom. He's in charge of a huge uh, perfume lab. That then privates labels, so they might have oh, yeah. fifty different uh, labels of perfume, and they have, you know, they, they, you know, they have separate parts of their factory where the different perfumes are are made. And he's, uh, you know, kind of overall manager of uh, that the the right perfumes get in the right bottles with the right label, and they go to the right place and everything like mm-hmm. that. Uh, but I. Uh, just before Christmas, we dropped off a bottle of champagne and a copy of Who Not How. And then we get this really great uh, email from the the woman. Uh, And uh, she says, uh, I can't tell you how much that both, uh, his name is Felix, how much Felix and I, this this book just is such a great gift. And we've just read it and we've talked about it and everything else. And then about, uh, uh, you know, about two or three days later, uh, she got a, we came a request that if we bought books for other people, would Dan sign them? So, so far I've signed seven books Uh and, uh, and she takes it and distributes it. Now some of the people she gave it to are asking if Dan will, uh, sign, sign the books. So they're sending her the books and she brings them over. And I've just decided that, Every book I get, I'm going to uniquely inscribe it. I'm going to give each. So I've signed eight books so far, and they each have a different take on who, not how. You know, uh, uh, you know, I got one for today, Athena, and I'm going to send Athena. She's number uh-huh. eight. I'm going to send Athena. But it's really, really interesting. I mean, it's, uh, uh, and I'm just pushing, I'm just going to pursue this next door neighbor uh, thing as far as it goes and see how, how many books that she 
book buyers and book readers. Just my next door neighbor introduces to me. And uh, it's worth the effort to me to inscribe each one of them. Yeah, right. Yeah, very interesting. I mean, it's such a, there's so many implications of it, not even just in business, but in everything. I mean, yeah, in life, it's the secret. It really is. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, and the, uh, you know, the difference between ancient times and today, Peter Diamandis uh, had a great article. He showed the thing that the, you know, a person whose average income today and lives, you know, let's say in a city like Toronto and, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, has their their home and they go to work and they take part in the activities of the city and everything else has a a, a slave in equivalent in technology form. In other words, they have in uh, help. So they either have people who's, or they have technology who's that are equal to yeah. 2,000 slaves for a Roman emperor. Oh, wow. That's, yeah, you know, you look at, um, I'm excited about a 360, Abundance 360, coming up next week, mm-hmm. right? And not this uh, next weekend, I guess, is when it yep. starts. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, what? one of the things that's always interesting to me is to see he's been keeping that graph of, you know, marketing tech, uh, all the software as a service things that are available to support uh, people. And I, I mean, I got to imagine that this has been a bumper year for that list growing and growing in terms oh, yeah. of the number of, of the, the landscape of those uh, that are available now. Well, you know what it is, it's uh, you can take it back to the, when mutual funds first started, you know, yes. if you think back in um, 70s and there were a few out there that I think Templeton was out there since the fifties, you know, Templeton uh-huh. had a mutual fund and he was one of, one of the pioneers. And the whole point, the logic of a mutual fund was uh, it's too hard for people to know what stocks to invest in. So, you know, yeah. the stock portfolio, you would have to, um, uh, you know, you would have to do the research you know, and you, you'd have to be a real student of this on a daily basis if you're going to get yeah. involved in the stock market. And the uh, shortcut of saving of a mutual fund is that we've got a full-time team that does this all the time. We have fast experience. And we're mm-hmm. just going to put together a hmm, balanced, uh, you know, and we'll, we'll offer three different kinds of mutual funds. One that ha- has risks to it. One that... Uh, you know, is um, balance between risk and security and one that's security and you choose the mutual fund that you want, but you know, what you, what you pay for, you get. So if it's, uh, you're not going to get a huge breakthrough with a no risk uh, mutual fund. In other words, you're going to get a, you know, get a steady return. And anyway, so, so that was fine. And I remember, you know, the, 80s was really when, you know, Charles Schwab got it. Charles Schwab came in and a lot of other people came in. And I remember um, it was really, it was cool. You know, it was kind of cool. And I said, this is really, you know, this is really a nice breakthrough. 
but the uh, you know I remember Charles Schwab saying you know there's thousands of stocks to pick from. Uh, you're going to need some advice on this. You're gonna, now that's what Charles Schwab. We're going to give you advice on these stocks. And by the way, we've made it convenient with a mutual fund. You can buy stocks through Charles Schwab, but you can also just buy a mutual fund where we've done the pre-thinking. We've actually, you know, kind of pre-thought it, and it's it's uh, kind of ready for you, and you don't have to uh, pay, you know, yeah. big brokerage brokerage fees. But then, you know, within a very short period of time, it went exponential. And now the business of picking a mutual fund was just as complicated as picking an individual stock. Yeah, because now there's uh, 10 or 15 years ago. Yeah, sector funds. Yeah. Yeah. And and to this day, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I mean, we we don't, uh, we have, um, you know, sort of, money market funds that Babs and I, and it's part of our portfolio, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, um, the, the best investment we ever made is in our company. And mm-hmm. then the, the, the next best investment we ever made was whole life insurance, mm-hmm. uh, whole life insurance, you know, sing, it's uh, cash value life insurance. And the third would be residential real estate, you know? Yes. Yes. And, and, and you know, you're, um, yeah, you know, and, uh, it's done as good, you know, I mean, it's done as good, yeah. and, you know, and, um, is it spectacular? No. Is it, uh, better than probably 95% of other people? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's amazing. You know, is that, that whole, um, yeah, it, that's a great analogy, actually. I mean, it's a great, uh, Similarity well, I think it's looking. the same thing with software. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, they said, well, you know, software as a service. Yeah. Now there's, um, you know, I mean, there's, it's, it's gone exponential because everybody thinks this is a good business to get into. Yeah. And there's 10, 10 20, 30, I mean, Nick Sonnenberg, uh, you know, he, we, he's a consultant to strategic coach and, you know, we tell him what we're working on, and then he has uh, team sources, and then they coach us on the use yeah. of the actual service. So, uh, you know, uh, the desire to automate so that you don't have to deal with people, it's only good for a time, and then the technology can get so complicated that you need an, another person. You need another yeah. person in between. So there's this movement between automating and new specialized human service that keeps happening. Well, and I think that that's, I think that the next evolution of this, what I'm observing is the opportunity for uh, result as a service that mm-hmm. here, when you start to think about because the lines for collaboration are really, um, you know, they're especially now that everybody's virtual, the lines for, uh, you know, integrating with within an organization or with, uh, you know, collaborators are really non-existent. You know, it's easy to to collaborate, but to have someone who's or somebody offering a, um, you know, result as a service, that that's a um, that's an interesting. You start yeah, to we have that, a. You know, a- 
Bland, who I think is going to be in the free zone really quickly, he's Israeli-born, grew up in Israel, moved to uh, you know moved to the U.S. As a matter of fact, I think he's um, kind of in your neighborhood. His name is Lior Lieberman, and mm-hmm. he's been in ten times, maybe about a year and a half, and he's just gone through the roof. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, here's the truth. He would have gone through the roof anyway if he hadn't joined strategic coach, but he said that his thinking is more unified. He <clears throat> he said, I'm, <clears throat> I'm always um, scaring myself with my own goals and my own ambition, but he said, <clears throat> strategic coach allows me to have a more, uh, what he says, positive and relaxing relationship with my own ambition. I said, well, that's a good wow. Good, I said that's a good way of putting it. I said that's a good way of putting it. But uh, his model, and that's all online, he's a marketer, online marketer. And uh, his deal is strictly uh, will agree on my share of much better results. Yes. That's, that's his great. model. Is mm-hmm. That's his mm-hmm. entire model. His, yeah. his entire model. And I said, yeah, oh, that's great. That's. Uh, um, I said, that's really clean. I said, um, and, uh, you know, and, uh, you know, either party can walk away from it at a certain point, you know, and uh-huh. it's got some conditions. You have to put it in conditions. Uh, you know, yes. I think, uh, I mean, if they're really doing well and they don't want to, they have to buy them out, you know, which mm-hmm. I think, is, right. you know, you know, that's a good, uh, good policy. And if he doesn't do as well, he doesn't get paid. So he's they're safe. That's right. Because, yeah. So he's living in uh, in Israel, or he's from Israel? No, no, no. I think he lives in near the Orlando area. I think oh, he's okay. Near, oh, I well, think I he's near you. To, I definitely yeah, need to connect with him. He's a, just a marvelous guy. I mean, you, you, yeah. the moment you see him and the minute you talk to him, yeah, you know, to to meet him is to like him. He's just got, okay, but he's he's got a very good brain, you know. He's, yeah, yeah. He's just a, you know, I mean, you know, you can just see that this guy is really right for what he's doing. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I want stuff like that. Like, I'll, I'll set it up. I'll I'll set it up. Um, you know, um, I'll just, you know, it'll be a you know, a Zoom call or something like that. Okay, yeah, I'll, perfect. Uh, I'll, I'll set it up for you. Yeah, I'd love that. Because that's the kind and of And I don't guy, do like, that you often, know. you know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't waste you and your time on things that I don't think are going it's to true. go anywhere. It's true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited about that because this is like, this environment right now is absolutely that's what Cloudlandia is about. That's that's the opportunity that we have within it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got an idea for you. Uh, <clears throat> um, I'll Let take me set up straight. Yeah, I'm sitting up straight. I'm in the, because uh, I know there's going to be some It's coming to me right now. Set up straight. And I want you to just reflect on the fact whether you made your bed this morning, you know, because that's a morale uh, factor. Yeah. Got that anyway. Way. Okay. Uh, that's why duvets are so great. Yes, it's the truth. Two.
instant instant bed made. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, so uh, I was thinking about uh, concept of normal. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to take you back 20 years, and Dean is, uh, you know, Dean Jackson is busily involved one day um, with uh, things that are, you know, um, some of them are things he has to repeat because there's part of part of your business that's in place, and you have to make sure that you, you know, that it's working that day. And then there are new things you're working on, you know, yes. new pro- new projects and everything else. Yes. And uh, and my premise is that on that day, Dean, you you felt normal. You felt normal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then uh, I'm going to take you 20 years into the future. And uh, on that day, Dean is fully engaged with what he's doing. And there's certain things that he has to tend to that are repetitive. And then there's new things that he's really excited about. But Dean uh, feels normal. Yes. And now I'll bring you back to today. And there are certain things that are repetitive. And there are certain things that you're really excited about, new things you're really excited about. But today, Dean feels normal. Mm-hmm. So the, three, uh, the sensing a pattern. Years, the past thing 20 years ago, the future thing 20 years from now, and today have in common the fact that even though there's a 40-year difference between past and future, 20 years difference between past and future and present, you feel normal. I do. Yeah. So my sense is that we're, we're doing the book, The Gap and the Gain, uh, that my sense is that get, what gets a lot of people in trouble is they think that, uh, that their, their ideal for themselves is that they, uh, go, they, they feel Super normal. They see feel super normal. In other words, there's a normal in the future that's super. It's super, you know. Oh, and the word that, super and, normal. And that, uh, and that, <laughs> that they also have a feeling that the normal they had in the past was a subnormal. It was a subnormal. And uh-huh. uh, today is just their attempt to get away from the subnormal and get to the supernormal. That's interesting. Even though what it do is, you think well, about this? Well, I'm, I'm, it's percolating because it's um, something that I had some kind of familiarity with in a way, because that was the premise of my looking forward to define my perfect life. When I was saying, when I, when I was looking at the things that I realized, you know, that the, um, how will I know when I'm being successful? Cause there's a sense of the thing that you're saying, I feel normal is a present tense experience. You're describing present Dean feeling normal, right? Yes. And this yearning, that's what you could describe, I guess, yearning for yeah. Yeah. super normal is this sense yeah. of 
in the future at some point when I get all these things, I'm going to feel <laughs> super normal. They wouldn't know those words. Though. But I mean, that, that you're going to sense that you're going to feel better, I guess, right? That's thing that that we're aspirationally um, seeking. Yeah. And so my, when I look at it, that that was my thing that what I realized then was I really like waking up with time freedom. Like I mm-hmm. realized I really enjoyed days where I have freedom to do what I, what I would like to do. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was an interesting, um, yeah, and I still, I see now that the freedom of, there is some freedom in structure that's given me some yeah. freedom, right? In terms yeah. of, yeah. I know that what I do like to do is, and, and you and I had a great conversation about that, that launched this sort of new um, model mm-hmm. for me was the, the Breakthrough Blueprint event. I knew that those yeah. days, I I enjoy that. Um but then even to this day, I still, um, I don't, I don't prefer as much structure as what I think you enjoy. Like you're, and I, I don't know whether that's something like you, you, how many workshop days do you have a year? Well, uh, it's workshop events now because with the two hour okay. ones. Uh, oh yeah, right. Day, but it's a, yeah, it's an event. But uh, in terms of full day workshops, I have fifty two. Yeah. Fifty uh, fifty two full day workshops. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And and then I have you know I have other events like podcasts, and then I have yeah you know uh, book creation, and you know I've got uh-huh. I've got you know I've got uh, some very fixed structured on the calendar. So, you know, we're just putting to bed one of our quarterly books uh, Monday and Tuesday, and then immediately, uh, you know, the process starts for the next book. So, yeah. um, and, and so, but, but that just continues on and, you know, we're uh-huh. a quarter of the way through a hundred books. So uh, the one that goes to press is number 25 and we've done it in 25 quarters, which was, isn't that like I just want to say, you know, that has been an amazing thing to observe. Mm-hmm. I feel like I remember the conversation that started it. I was happy, I mean, lucky. You know, we we oh yeah, started well, the, I would, the first I, the first I, two or three we did as ninety minute books, right? I wouldn't have even started it if you didn't have that capability, because yeah. um, you know, I have you know. Uh, books from the past where I've created books and that was just an incredibly lonely, painful experience. And yeah. you created the 90 book, uh, the 90 minute book process. And I said, well, that's how I'm, you know, I'm just going to put together a uh, impact builder and I'm going to send it to, um, to your editor, your, your yeah. the person who did it. Yeah. And it was huge. I mean, we got it back and, you know, we had captured the structure. We had, you know, we had, we had a beginning, yeah. a middle and an end and everything else. And yeah. then I have an editor who really knows my voice, and she says I'd be happy to pitch in to fine tune this, yeah. and and that was great. But then when I found out that she was taking on a burden uh, for me because you know she wanted this to work, 
but it was worrying her out because um, she's not, she's a phenomenal editor, but she's not, uh, you know, she's not really a writer in the sense that she would do it, but her brother is, her brother is a copywriter and he had just finished a big, big contract. And she said, uh, can we bring him in? And I said, of course. And, uh, and he's terrific. So the last five books haven't changed a word when I send it to, Carrie and Adam. Carrie's right. the editor, and Adam's the writer. Uh, yeah. I get back, I read it. I said, I'm, I'm not going to change the word. They, they've really captured the essence of what I want communicated here. Even though, you know, it, some of it surprises me. I said, wow, it's amazing what he did with that paragraph. So I said, hmm. But I said, it's good. It's good. Yeah. I said, uh, it gets it across. And their confidence grows. They're faster and everything like that. And, yeah. um, you know, and, uh, you know, and <clears throat> so, uh, so it's re- really, really good. But, uh, um, you know, uh, these things are normal. These things are normal processes for me, you know, it's, uh, yeah. And, yeah, but I'm just getting around this word normal that I think yeah. is one thing that humans have uh, at the top of their capabilities to take anything new and normalize it. Yes. And that's, I like that. I mean, that's, um, yeah, you know, there's, um, so what, how do we, what is, what, where does that go then? So knowing that, well, I'll tell you what triggered my thought. I have a new 10 times uh, entrepreneur who I found out just with some, um, you know, side conversations and breakout groups that he had been in the, uh, special forces, uh, you know, he was Delta, uh, Delta, which is um, the special special for yeah, special forces component mm-hmm. of the army. Very, very high level special forces, in that he had mm-hmm. been an advisor in the Middle East to the country that they were in to the uh, special forces. So he was a special force advisor to another country's special forces. Uh-huh. And that he um, he had done it for about eight, nine years and that he had been in person on 125 raids where there was violence, there was killing there, you know, there was, um, you know, a lot of scary things that happened. And I said, I said to him, uh, first one must have really been, um, you know, kind of weird. But I said, how long, uh, if you go through 125, at what number raid did it seem normal to you? And he said, uh, it's a good question. He said, uh, there are different things happen. So he says, probably 15 out of 125. He says, from 15 onward, he says, it was pretty normal. Um, he said, you knew 80 to 90% of how it was going to happen, what was going right. to happen, everything else. So I, I said, <laughs> I said to him, so what was the scariest? And he told me a few situations. And I said, okay. Then, after roughly 20 years in the military, um, in a highly structured, mission-oriented um, uh, you know, uh, assignments, what was coming into the civilian world? He said, oh, no. He says, the, the scare of coming into the civilian world was much greater than anything I ever experienced in the military. That's interesting. He said, well, first of all, 
Yeah. As no, you were I mean, saying just, it, I was thinking about the um, the four C's. It seems yeah, like there's yeah. some of that too. Mm-hmm. And he said, "What am I guaranteed in the mission? Uh, what am I guaranteed in the military that I'm not guaranteed in civilian life?" He says, first of all, a clearly defined mission." He says, given to me. He said, a highly trained team around me where everybody knows what to do right from the beginning, that, and that's given to me. And he says, a sense of absolute assurance that you can depend on everybody else in your unit. That's guaranteed to me. He said, you get in the civilian world, you got to make up the mission, you got to make up the team, and then you're not sure if they're all dependable. He says, mm-hmm. I have to tell you, that's terrifying. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So it's That's amazing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just an interesting fact to me that the thing that you would think someone else doing would be the scariest thing in the world. For them, it's normal. But them looking at you, what you do and consider normal is the scariest thing in the world. So it's an interesting contrast. I was thinking about that same thing with NFL players. That, you know, yeah. you just said that same thing. They, they're so highly, you know, uh, it's very similar. One unified mission, let's win the Super Bowl. And they're yeah. a team of the very best specialists in each, each uh, element that you, can, um, that you can get. And then absolute assurance that everybody's on the... Uh, yeah. You know, you can depend on everybody because they're all like your Cleveland Browns. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's very interesting. I've I've read about uh, like Brady or you know the, the really mm-hmm. amazing. I mean, great. I mean, hands down, greatest greatest quarterback in terms of results that ever existed. You know, I mean, he's just mm-hmm. you know, and he's doing it at age forty three. Yeah. Uh, Oh, and it's a little uh, historic ten year, today, or yeah, yeah well, today's a yeah, historic well, ten, game. ten years after most, ten years after most uh, quarterbacks are kind of crippled. You know, he's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and uh, and I, they asked him once, you know, the, uh, uh, you know, what it's like to have all these three hundred pound, muscle bound people rushing at you, and he said. Um, uh, well, he said, to tell you the truth, they're, they're just shapes. He said, they're just uh-huh. shapes. He said, and he said, the only thing I'm concentrated on is where my receivers are going to be. Yeah. He says, that's the only thing. And he says, there's two things I'm looking for, you know, on any play. And that if my primary receiver, where he's going to be, then I have to switch the secondary sometimes to the, you know, the third third level basis. Mm-hmm. I, I can't concentrate on what the opposition is doing. He said, there are a bunch of shapes and I try to avoid them, but he said, uh, you know, I can't be focused on that. So that's just normal for him, you know, but mm-hmm. we putting our, we put ourselves in his position as terrifying. Well, first of all, we, um, <laughs> we don't even get to the point where we could put ourselves in his position. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, yeah. Well, next yeah, time we see and, each other uh, person, Dan, I'll I'll run up on you. <laughs> you can see what it's like to have a big shape running at you. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's kind of funny because uh, my my team really, um, um, you know, because I debrief after every Zoom workshop and they say, you know, it's amazing how you move around the room. Like, uh, you know, if I have 30 people, um, 30 people in front of me who are clients on a Zoom call, I will have talked to every one of them in a six hour workshop, uh, every mm-hmm. talk I would have inter- interacted with them about, you know, <clears throat> a dozen of them I've been in breakout sessions with them. And then yeah. uh, the others, the other you thing is I out. have, I have a tremendous memory of what individuals have talked to me about before, because I see their uh, achievements in terms of stories that they've told me. And, uh, so I'll, I'll go around the room and I say, Oh, there are, so, 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 you remember when we were talking and you told me about this and this and this and everything else? So, what is the thinking process you just went through? If you had had that thinking process back then, what difference would it have made? Yeah. And the person says, oh, boy, if I had known this six months ago or if I had known this two years ago. And then they do a commercial. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. And that's all I'm looking for. I'm just looking for the, how do I engage this person to help create this workshop? So for me, I've thought it through 50%, but at the 50% line, whether I've spent six days on it or I spent six months on it, I can't get past the the 50% line. And I say, the rest of it's just going to be the conversation. The conversation creates the workshop. And I think, uh, you know, and break and breakthrough, uh, you know, breakthrough blueprint is exactly yeah. the same. It's That's the, exactly right. I mean, you give them a structure and yeah. you put an emphasis on certain things on this day and certain things on that day, but mm-hmm. the workshop actually gets created. The con- breakthrough blueprint, the customers create the create the workshop. Yes, that's exactly right, and that's why yeah. I love it because everyone yeah. is different. It's never the well, same. I love it. I yeah, that. it's normal. Yeah. <laughs> well, Dan, this has yeah, been well, the, the thing the other day of having no exercise or structure right. of the questions. I, I, I got, I said, yeah, that was really cool. No, they, they asked me, did you realize that you didn't have, I had a, just a diagram of the, um, you know, the, like the, <laughs> I know it's funny the, at the end of the day, you're saying, let's take a look at this diagram. Like, you look, look at the, yeah. this diagram. Uh, uh, and, uh, <laughs> I, you know, and I, we got to the end and they said, you know, you didn't have any materials. And I said, I said, you know, that's really cool. You know, so, I, mean, I said, it was kind of like, uh, you know, uh, you know, it's the coaching version of Houdini, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, and I said, you know, but I said, <clears throat> everybody was involved. Everybody was involved uh, the whole day. And, uh, you know, and, and we had some really cool, because it was about longevity, there was a lot of medical experience, a lot of scientific experience in the room that came to the surface yeah, uh, you know, and uh, you know, uh, yeah, it was very interesting because Alan Olson, who's our new guy from uh, mm-hmm. San Francisco, you know, he said, "I just take this pill every day." 
you know, and uh, uh, and Jeff Gladden, who gives me 70 free pills to, uh, to take every day, he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, one pill, will, you know, so you get this little, yeah, but, but Jeff, uh, better look into this pill because maybe it, maybe it uh, eliminates uh, 70 of the ones that you're giving me, you know. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And I said, one you know, would be better. It, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> In my world, one pill a day is better than 73 pills a day. That's I have to right. Yeah. And um, yeah, he says it just uh, starts uh, changing the molecular structure. And, they, you know, the Navy SEALs are the ones who are really testing this out because they'd like to keep them healthy and keep them for longer. And this pill may do it, you know? And I said, this is really worth knowing. And he's in uh, beta testing, you know, so he's right. Yeah. He's a early, uh, early tester and early. Yeah. uh, And I said, what what a neat world we live in, you know? And he just came in. I didn't know that, but he, that was part of his contribution to the workshop. And now everybody's keenly, you know, keenly interested. And I said, yeah, "Uh, I, I said, this is really neat. So anyway, I'm going to explore this idea of normal, that we move from normal to normal to normal to normal, even though our achievement and our results and our capability keeps getting bigger. We yes. normalize, we normalize all that. And uh, normal 20 years ago felt normal, normal, normal 20 years from now will feel normal and normal feels. So being happy with normal uh, I think is a very, very important skill. Mm. I like that. I like that a lot. That was. Um, yeah. And I yeah. think your three things that you shared with the group are normalizing mindsets. You're, you know, you uh, the three that you shared, you know, regarding time and activity and money that you mm-hmm. shared is, is that these are strategies you use to establish normal. Yes. Normal that you're happy and normal that you're happy with. Yes, that's exactly right. Daily joy. That's yeah. it. And yeah. only you're in charge of your meter. It's yeah, and that's the other thing is objective. That's the oh, that's the uh, great thing about boy, that. But that's really uh, a, a topic uh, that the things that you're most passionate remember is that it's your passion. And you shouldn't expect that it's somebody else's passion. Right. That's true. Well, I I could talk for days, Dan. We could. We could, but <laughs> uh, uh, but this this is the hour we get every day. Every That's week. It. Every week. That's this, right. This is normal. <laughs> this is the new normal. That's right. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. I love it. And we get a record of our conversations, which is fantastic. Yeah. In other words, that you have willingly accepted a little bit of structure into your life. That's true. And it's a joy and delight. Mm-hmm. There we go. So, uh, so, I'm gonna, so I'm not going to push my luck. <laughs> so next uh, next Sunday, we'll be live streaming Abundance 360. So we'll miss. No, that. they don't start. They don't start till eleven. Yeah, I guess they do. They start at eleven in our time. Yeah. So, That's yeah, right. I got. The email <clears throat> yeah, and I'm. Your, uh, I'm from your time. I'm one, of, 
I'm actually a participant in the sense that I'm considered, um, you know, live there. So I'll be in breakout groups and right. every, every, everything. So uh, yeah, Babs yeah. and I, Babs and I, and two of our team members are participants. And uh, nice. so, yeah, but um, yeah, and uh, looks good. I mean, every, every everything looks good, and you know, looks looks interesting. Yeah, I can't wait. I always I always look forward to it. Yeah, I mean, he's got that other thing on Thursday, which is an Oculus, Oculus experience. I have but, an Oculus. Uh, so do you now? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Joe, you know, Joe. Have you experimented us, but, with uh, yours? No, no. Uh, you know, I have to tell you, just the experience of being in my own brain every day is scary, is exciting, and everything <laughs> like that. Uh, right. Uh, Sometimes I get vertigo. Sometimes you know, uh, uh-huh. you know, scary things happened, and uh-huh. uh, I don't need I don't need something. I don't need a piece of technology to have that experience. There we go. <laughs> well, we'll see. It'll be normal. No, I mean I'll experiment as I go along. Yeah. But one of our clients said, "Oh, it's amazing! I had a balloon ride," and I said. If it was the oh, mainland, no. I wouldn't do a balloon ride. And right. Said, and I went down to six thousand. Yeah, I went down to six hundred feet under the ocean, and I said, if it was the mainland, I wouldn't want to do that. So I right. said, better men. You better mention something that I want to do before you try to get me hooked on the technology. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Dan. Okay. That's it. Bye-bye. Uh, yeah, next time. Bye-bye.